Welcome to My Favorite Theorem. I'm your co-host, Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida, and I am joined by co-host number two. I'm Evelyn Lamb. I'm a freelance math and science writer in Salt Lake City. So how are you? I'm okay. And by the way, I did not mean to indicate that you are number two in this. <laughs> <laughs> I, only alphabetically. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 So uh, um, no, no, things are great. How are things in Salt Lake? Pretty good. I had a fantastic weekend. Um, basically, yeah. spent the whole thing uh, reading and singing. So uh -huh. yeah, it was great. Good for you. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I I didn't do much. I, I mopped the floors. So oh, that's this is, that's good too. This, this, My this, floors are dirty. Yep, that's okay. <laughs> dirty floors, clean something, right? Anyway. <laughs> So uh, today we are pleased to have uh, Sean Kimber on the show. Sean, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm a, a professor at Lafayette College. Um, got my PhD a long time ago at University of Florida. Go Gators! Um, and I, yay! <laughs> and I work in lattice-ordered groups. Lattice-ordered groups. Okay, very cool. Mm -hmm. I, I should probably know what those are, but maybe we'll find out what they are today. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's get into it. What, what's your favorite theorem, Sean? Well, okay, so maybe you don't like this, but it's a suite of theorems. Oh, even better. So, Go yeah. for it. <laughs> um, so, right, a lattice order group is um, it's a group to begin with, mm -hmm. and uh, in which any two elements have a soup and a nymph. And so... That gives you your lattice order, okay. and they they're torsion free. So they're you know once you get past um, countable ones, uh, they're enormous groups mm -hmm. to work with. And so um, my favorite theorems are the representation theorems that that allow you to actually prove stuff because they get unwieldy due to their size. Oh, and, cool. Um, yeah, one of my favorite um, classes in grad school was a representation class. I mean, I had a lot of trouble with it. It was just uh, representations of finite groups, and those are still, like, really <laughs> out there. But um, yeah. it was a lot of fun, like that really, uh, really algebraic thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so this actually, these representations allow you to um, translate problems from algebra to topology. And so it's pretty cool. So, um, right, so the classic classical theorem is by Hahn. 1909, um, he proved, right, the, the special case is that any totally ordered Archimedean group can be embedded as a subgroup of the real, and it kind of makes sense that sure. you should be able to yep. do that. And then he said um, that any ordered abelian group, so not necessarily lattice ordered, but any mm -hmm. ordered abelian group can be embedded in a, what's called a lexicographical product of the reals. And so... Um, we could get into what that is, but those are called Han groups. Um, they're just huge products of the reals that are ordered in dictionary order um, that only live on well-ordered sets. Um, and so then, so this conjecture is actually a theorem, mm -hmm. um, but then there's a conjecture that that theorem is equivalent to the axiom of choice. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. <laughs> and um, can we maybe... Uh, Back up a little bit, and is it possible to, for me, I really like uh, concrete examples, so maybe can you uh, talk a little bit about, like, a concrete example of one of these Archimedean groups 
or I don't know how concrete the example, the concrete examples are. <laughs> uh, no, they, they're just really weird ways of hacking up the reels, basically. Okay. Obviously, mm -hmm. they're just subgroups of the reels. So think of your favorite ones, and there you go. Uh, the okay. ones that are comedian. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, so and even as soon as you add, add two dimensions of ordering, it's even more complex, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the classical example that I work with would be uh, rings of continuous functions on a topological space. And then you can build really cool examples because we all understand continuous functions. So C of X, real valued continuous functions on a Tikhonov space, right? So mm -hmm. T three and a half, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, metric space. Axioms, yeah. so you have enough continuous functions. Mm -hmm. And um, and so Gilman and Jerison in the 1950s um, capitalized on a theorem from the 1930s by Galfon and Kolmogorov that said that the maximal ideals of C of X, um, if you take them in the whole kernel topology, um, are isomorphic to um, the stone check compactification of the space that you're working on. And so if you have a compact space to begin with, then your space is isomorphic to your maximal ideals, right? Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, just build your favorite. And the C of X, of course, is lattice order. Just if you take the uh, pointwise ordering, and then since the reals have a natural order on them, then you pick up your supsonyms pretty sure. easily. Sure. And um, and so there you're starting to touch some interesting examples of these groups, right? Have I convinced you, Evelyn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, and you just, yeah, they're, they're huge. You have to have some complexity in order to be able to prove anything interesting about them. Um, and so then there the Hahn embedding is pretty obvious, right? It's, you know, just take the images of the functions. There's too much structure in a ring like that, and so then maybe you want to look at just an ordered group to get back to the Han environment. And so, how can you mimic um, Han in view of the Galfon Kolmogorov, right? So, can we get continuous functions as the representation of an ordered group? Because the Lex products of reals that Han was working with are intractable in, in a strong way. And so then you have to start finding units because we need to be able to define something called a maximal sub-object, right? And so you want it to be maximal with respect to missing out on some kind of unit. And so then we get into a whole series of different embedding theorems that are trying to, um, I don't know, try and get you closer to being able to deal with the conjecture I mentioned before that Hans embedding theorem is equivalent to the axiom of choice. Yeah, I'm I'm really fascinated by this conjecture. It, it kind of seems like it comes out of nowhere. Um, so maybe we can say what the axiom of choice is, and then it, is there a way that you can kind of explain how these might be related? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> well, we'll start. Let's, with start, the let's start with the axiom of choice. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
Well, so axiom of choice is equivalent to Zorn's lemma, which is which says that maximal objects exist. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the way that I deal with it. It allows me to mm -hmm. say that maximal ideals exist. And if they didn't exist, then I couldn't, these theorems wouldn't exist. Um, you use this everywhere in order to prove Hahn's theorem. And so that's why it's assumed to be possibly equivalent. Okay. Um, I am, this isn't the part that I work on. I'm yeah. not a logician. Um, well, so many things are equivalent to the axiom of choice. I mean, uh, for right. example, the, the Tikhonov product theorem, which is yep. that you know, product of compact spaces is compact. That's actually equivalent mm -hmm. to the axiom of choice, which seems a bit odd. Um, actually, I was reading last night, so uh, Eugenia Chang has this book, uh, Beyond Infinity, her most recent book, and I, you know, good bedtime reading. And, and I learned something last night about the axiom of choice. Essentially, you need the axiom of choice to prove that if, uh, if you have sort of two infinities, you want to, you know, like two countable infinities, you want to think that they're, you know, it's countable somehow. But it's, it's if, if they come with an order, then fine. But if you sort of have two, like imagine pairs of socks, like an infinite collection of pairs of socks, mm -hmm. is that countable? I mean, are the socks countable? You know, it's sort mm -hmm. of an interesting <laughs> question. You know, these, these weird, slippery things with the axiom of choice and, and logic. Um, Make my, mm -hmm. They make my head hurt a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. So, um, so yeah, so you, you're saying that in, like, looking at the axiom of choice from the Zorn's lemma point of view, that's where this, these maximal uh, objects are coming in in the Han conjecture, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Okay. And that's kind of why I do the parallel with this theorem about C of X, these mm -hmm. maximal ideals being equivalent to the space you're on. Pretty right. cool. Right. Yeah, because yeah, even to get maximal ideals in an arbitrary ring, you really do need Zorn's lemma. Yeah, and there's a whole enterprise of people working to see how far you can peel that back, right? I did take a small foray into trying to understand gradations of the axiom of choice and that hurts your head definitely. <laughs> um, right, countable axiom of choice, or what? Yeah, right. All these, all yeah, these different really flavors. Prime ideal theorem, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what drew you to these theorems, or, or what makes you really excited about them? Well, you know, as a super newbie mathematician back in the day, like I was super excited to see that. Um, these disparate fields of algebra and topology that everybody told me were totally different could be connected in a dictionary way, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever a, a characteristic of a ring can be connected is equivalent to a characteristic on a topological space. And so all kinds of problems can be stated in these two different realms. They seem like different questions, but they turn out to be equivalent. And so if you just know the way to cross the bridge, then you can answer either question depending on which um, realm gives you the easier approach to the theorem. Yeah, I, I like that interplay too. I mean, I you know I'm a topologist, but I'm a very algebraic one, um, mm -hmm. and and for exactly that reason, I, I think there's um, there, there's so many interesting ideas out there where you really need the other discipline to yes. to, to solve it. You know, or at least or looking at looking through that lens makes it a lot clearer somehow. And was this in graduate school that you saw these, or as a new professor? Yeah, definitely grad school. Okay. My master's. So I wonder, what does one pair with this this suite of theorems? 
It's a very hard question, actually. Um, That's typical. Most people find this the more difficult part of the of the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that if you were to ask my PhD advisor, Jorge mm -hmm. Martinez, what he would pair, he was very he is very much a wine lover mm -hmm. and an opera lover. Oh. And so um, it would be both. Mm -hmm. um, I'd probably see him taking a flask into Lincoln Center um, <laughs> while thinking about theorems. Um, and so he loved to go to Tuscany, so I assume that's where you get Chianti. I don't know. I could be lying. You I do. don't know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go with a good good Chianti, mm -hmm. although that might make me sound like Hannibal Lecter. Um, <laughs> no fava beans, no fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got a Chianti and maybe a good, um, a good opera, right? Because it's got to be both with him. And it's hard for me to say, so he comes up to New York to go do an opera orgy, just watching two operas per day wow. um, until he falls down. And I, I sometimes join him for that. Mm -hmm. And the last one I went to was Cosi Fantuti. And so let's go with that, because that's the one I remember. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I uh, saw or listened to that opera, but there are like pairs of couples, right, who end up in different yeah. uh, configurations. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's one of these, uh, you know, oh, I'll trick you into falling in love with the other couple's person. Mm -hmm. it, that almost seems like, you know, the pairs being like mm -hmm. topology and algebra and switching back and forth. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm putting ideas in your mind here. Or sort of the graph of um, the different couplings, sort of an ordered graph could be the underlying object here. You never know. Right. So an hom homage to your advisor here with this pairing. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was kind, I must admit, I was kind of hoping that you might pair one of your own uh, quilt creations here. So I actually ran into you through a quilting blog that you have called um, Completely Koshi. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, you, do you mind uh, talking to us a little bit about how you started quilting and, and what you do there? Because it's so cool. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I chose that name because um, Koshi's my favorite mathematician. Mm. And um, as a nerd, there would be no other quilt blog uh, named after a, a, a dead mathematician. So, um, <laughs> I am a little mortified that when you Google Koshi Complete, um, as many students do, mine is actually the first entry that comes Excellent. up on Google. Um, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I applied for tenure, which is kind of a hazing process, no matter where you are, no matter how good of a you know faculty member you are, um, I really wanted to have control, and you don't have control at that point. And so um, I started sewing for fun. Um, you know, late at night, 1 a.m. after everything felt kind of done for the day. And um, I never imagined that I'd be doing what I do today, which is using quilting to confront issues of social justice in the United States. And they've been uh, picked up by museums and other venues. So um, it's, you know, this whole side hustle out there that I kept quiet for a long, long time. And then once I got promoted to full professor, I came out of the closet. So, um, <laughs> were you concerned yeah. that, that, you know, having a, having a side hustle, so to speak, would, uh, would, would compromise your, your career? Cause it shouldn't. Yeah. I think though, something so gender specific 
as quilting, oh. something that people associate with grandmas. And, you know, mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, the mm -hmm. guys I work with, they're, I mean, I must say, right, half of my quilts have four letter words on them. And, you mm -hmm. know, the more interesting four letter words, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so as soon as my guys saw them, they were totally on board with this enterprise. And so I didn't really need to be in the closet, but I, I, de I didn't want anybody to ever say that, oh, she should have proved one more theorem instead of making that quilt. Yeah. It's unfortunate yeah. that we feel that way, right? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. um, and I mean, that, I think that's true of all mathematicians, but I, I, I can imagine it's worse for women, this, this idea that, um, you know, you have to work twice as hard to prove you're half as good or something like that. Um, yeah. Do we need to mention I'm also a black woman? <laughs> and so that's actually how I was raised. You need to do mm -hmm. three times as much to be seen as half as good. And that's the way that I live my life. Yeah. And uh, it's not sustainable in no, any way. No, absolutely not. No, no. But yeah, they are really cool quilts. So everyone should should look at um, Completely Koshy, and that's spelled C-A-U-C-H-Y. Um, there's a mathematician named Koshy. Mm -hmm. I actually have another mathematician friend with a cat named Koshy, or who had a cat <laughs> named Koshy. I think the cat has passed away. Um, yeah, and I, I actually sew as well. I've somehow never had the patience for quilting. Um, it just feels somehow like too little. And I like the, I guess, more immediate gratification of like making a whole panel of a skirt or something. And you do really intricate little piecing mm. there, which um, I admire very much. And I'm glad people like you do it so I don't have to. <laughs> sure. But, you, you, you know, but Evelyn, you don't have to make it little. I mean, um, you don't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you've seen like these, these G's Ben quilts, right? That were, yep. you know, I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're much, they're really nice big pieces. And, uh, uh, that can have a, a very dramatic effect too, but yeah, the intricate work is really remarkable. It's it's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, my my wife has done a little quilting, and then she always just kind of gets tired of it because of the the fine stuff. But then she's a book artist; like she sets, you know, lead type in her printing press by hand. That's fine, but like oh, wow. piecing, piecing together little pieces of, of cloth, I don't know. Somehow it's, it just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. It yeah. seems more futile that you take a big piece of fabric and cut it into small pieces so that you can sew it back together. I mean, that is kind of dumb when you think about it. Well, but I don't know. You got this whole Bonnock-Tarsky thing, right? Maybe, yes. you know. It'll, it'll... <laughs> yeah, bring it back around to the axiom of choice again. Yes. Oh, wow. It's not our first uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, this has been great fun. Uh, anything else you want to uh, to, to promote? Um, no, I'm good. You're good. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, Sean. This is uh, this has really been uh, interesting, and and we appreciate you being on. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lamb. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Nguyen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at Nivik That's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards. And Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. 
The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.